I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 250. New Year Who Dis. It will be. Uh-huh. Look, I did what you're not supposed to do. I said today that 2023 is probably going to be a good year because 23 is my favorite number, which means it's probably going to be like another pandemic. Oh, gosh. Don't put that out in the world. Well, me and my sister were talking the, I don't know, the other day, and we were like, well, we can't really lose that many more people. I mean, we're down to like the core three, so it's kind of scary. If we lose anyone else, it's going to be one of us. So, you know how they do those, y'all hate when we talk about TikToks, I'm sure, but you know how people will do videos where it's like an older picture and then it switches to another, uh-huh. like them updated, doing the same picture? Well, it was this girl and five other people behind her. And when it switched to the next picture, it was all of their urns and her. Oh, and I was like, man, I love dark humor. Yes. There was a TikTok and it said... Dad, we're going to be late. Yes. Oh, and, you're walk- and you're walking the dog. Yes. And the urn and the other urn with the leash. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, she was like, it's fine. I could say that because they're both dead. I'm like, girl, I get you. Yes. I took down my Christmas stuff like the day after Christmas. And, you know, I had my mom's urn, like her little jug that she wanted to be put in. And, of course, it's like an old moonshine jug because that's my mom. And I was like, all right, mama, going back to your place. Yes. I love your curated bookcases. Oh, yeah, that's my mom in the moonshine. (laughs) Man, Christmas was hard this year. (laughs) I don't know. I'm I'm laughing at how you said hard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and of course, like you have to give the sentimental gifts, you know, because it is what it is, you know, and especially because it was like dad, dad and a wedding. So I printed out all my sister's. And, like, framed these pictures for them of them with dad at the wedding slash him dying. Then we took a picture of all my sister's hands and my mom's hands, like, with all of our wedding rings. And so, like, I framed that for them and then I made my mom, like, a little collage of all of those pictures. And then when we were cleaning out mom's shed for the garage sale, we found her old yearbooks that she didn't know where they were. And my parents were high school sweethearts. So there was this sweet letter written to mom in her yearbook from my dad so I did that thing on Etsy where they like transpose it onto something that looks like they wrote it like it's their handwriting and so I just did this frame of that letter and you know so you got to get all the sentimental gifts and then one of my sisters and another brother-in-law not her husband brother-in-law another one (laughs) they both got us those bracelets that you like look through like you're looking through a I've only seen them on TikTok yeah, well, they're like on all the ads on all the things. But what do you like? You were looking through like a viewfinder. Yeah, you got like squint an eye and look and move it, you know. And mm-hmm. it's my sister got me the one like one of me and dad from the wedding, and then my brother in law like chose. You know, everybody got a different one, and um, it was me and my dad from Mardi Gras one year. Oh, I don't do well with sentimental gifts. Well, mine was easy because it was all wedding stuff. Yeah, I, well, I guess, I don't know. I just don't like clutter. Like, so all of that would be like clutter to me, even though like I really like them. It's just not what I want. But you don't have like picture frames around your house. Mm-mm. Well, I do, but they don't have any pictures in them. Well, besides the ones like when you come in, they're all my parents and like old pictures. Yeah, but they're on your wall. You don't have like mm-hmm. picture frames out and stuff. Well, they're on the bookcase, but there's not pictures in them. Well, then just put a picture of me. Definitely not. You wouldn't put that picture of me, you and Tiffany and Colby from the wedding? No. Loser. <laughs> Why? What do you have in there? 
There's some oranges. That's what came in it. Oh, my God. I do have one picture frame that I've had forever, like, since I decorated my bookcase the first time. And it's a black and white picture of a dog. Not my dog. And I'm like, oh, I need to put Marley in there. Have I done it? No. It's still the black and white picture of the dog. And how I like it, the dog's, like, upside down or sideways. (laughs) You like it long ways? Yes. (laughs) Wow. Oh, yeah. So, again, I just, I don't know. My mom was great to buy those sentimental things mm-hmm. for. I, I, I don't know. The clutter stopped with me. True. Well, speaking of sentimental, not really gifts. Uh, <laughs> okay. Christmas, I logged into the email for a second and I saw somebody join Patreon. I said, I wonder if they got that as a Christmas gift. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we had a few people that yeah. said that they got that or merch. And that's mind blowing. I know. Um, you know what Donna and I had to do first thing Christmas morning? Uh, we had missed one of the ads. Yeah. And so Donna had to come over Christmas morning, like right after Colby and I opened our presents before we went over <laughs> our mom's, and we had to record an ad. <laughs> she did get a gift out of it, though. I did. We were like, hey, it's Christmas. You want to open one of your gifts? I was so excited. It was one of my, like, it's a vintage style milkshake maker because my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. But I told Tiffany about it. The milkshake thing, because I like seriously, when I added that to my list, I was like, me and Tiffany are going to make some good milkshakes because, you know, that girl loves, she loves milk. <laughs> she does. And milk does not love her back. <laughs> it doesn't. But I was like, oh, Tiffany's going to come up with some good concoctions. To yes. Put in all this. the peanut butter. <laughs> yes. So anyway, so I was like, oh, I got that milkshake thing. And she's like, damn it, they stole my thunder because I have a gift for you to open on Christmas too. <laughs> And we didn't. It was all Colby's idea. I was like, oh, yeah, we do have a gift for her yeah. Because <laughs> all the rest is still on the kitchen table. <laughs> well, speaking of Patreon and gifts, thank you, Erica M. from Tennessee. Sally H. from West Virginia. Lindsay H. from Minnesota. Ingrid H. from Australia. Jenny W. from North Carolina. And Megan D. from New Jersey. Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon. If you want an episode shout out and all the bonus good good that they're getting, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. It's a new year, so Patreon will be switching some stuff up. Stay tuned. (laughs) But you get all the backlog too. So old, new, borrowed, blue, all the things. I mean, maybe you get married this year. Oh, Lord. By the time y'all listen to this episode, it'll be the new year. Donna, Tiffany, Colby, and I will have hung out till a ripe old time of probably 10 p.m. <laughs> played some games that one of them I have to take back because even though it was on Tiffany's wish list and I got it, somebody else got it for her. Not me. Yeah, not Donna. I don't remember who it was, but I'm like, damn it. So I got to send that back and go shop for her tomorrow because <laughs> like, there was not enough time for it to come in because you yeah. know, I waited. Uh-huh. So hopefully y'all had as good of a New Year's as I know we did. And Christmas. And if you didn't, totally understand. <laughs> yes. Should be hard sometimes. It is. <laughs> it was nice this Christmas, like it just being me and Marley, because my dad was very difficult around holidays because he's like, I don't want to open anything. I don't want, but I'm going to get you something because you need this stuff. You yeah. Know? But I didn't have to fight with anyone to open, like, here, I spent money on you. <laughs> like, open it and fucking enjoy it. Be grateful. <laughs> <laughs> But I didn't have to do anything. And me and Marley were just like chilling. I was like, yeah, this is okay. But then Tiffany came over and y'all went to the casino. We did. We did. I mean, I lost, but (laughs) I didn't lose everything. So there's that. We actually had fun. And it wasn't that packed. We thought it was going to be like super packed because it usually is on a holiday. 
I think a lot of people spend a lot of money on their Christmas or something. Yeah, because everything's so bloody expensive. <laughs> well, you turn British. Well, you know, sometimes I do. But okay, so on TikTok, I follow a lot of people who play slots. Love that. Well, because they play big money. And so it's like, I mean, I play like times two. And yeah. that's, that's big money for me, you know? But these people are in like high roller things or like playing like, I don't know, $10 a pool on these things. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're winning money like how you do on your fake casino stuff. Yes. Like you can do like a million dollars a pool. And I'm just like, holy shit. Like, I love it. I get so excited for them. Like when they go to a bonus or I want them to go to the bonus, I'm tapping the screen. I'm one of those people because that's what I do at slot machines. Well, me and Tiffany were talking and she was like, we could totally do that. We could like film us because we're funny. Like when we're doing it, I was like, well, one, I heavy breathe, especially if I'm uh, like concentrating or whatever. I was like, and also like, I, no, it's, they would be so mad at us because we get so excited and it's like $2 that we won. Right. And we act like we just won a, the lottery, you know? And I'm like, these people would be like, calm your tits, ladies. And also show us Tiffany's. But calm them. <laughs> Y'all aren't winning anything. I was like, yeah, this is why we can't have the live, Tiffany, because uh, we're not cool. <laughs> All right, well, before y'all find out how uncool we really are, we got to talk about Care Of, because Care Of is actually cool. Care Of is a subscription service that ships high-quality, personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your door every single month. It's a new year. You might want to focus on a new you, maybe to feel more balanced, confident, or energetic. And with Care Of, you get a routine of products and digital tools to help you feel better than ever. Care Of is a New Year's resolution that's actually attainable because, you know, everybody's like wanting to hit the health goals. And with Care Of, you're going to be able to feel great this year. So if you're like, oh my God, Care Of sounds amazing. Well, one, you're right. But two, all you need to do is take a short, in-depth quiz about your lifestyle, your health goals, and then you'll get a personalized, doctor-backed recommendation. You know what that means? It takes the guesswork out of what supplements are best suited for you. It's perfect for that person on the go, or you know, if you travel a lot and you're like, I don't take all these bottles of vitamins, because they come in pre-packaged daily portions where you just whoop, and take them and go. And like Donna said, take the guesswork out. You're not going to the market, standing there looking at the 1,700 vitamins going, what are those? What do they do for me? And which ones do I actually need? Because Care Of is going to take the guesswork out. And again, ship it to your door. So all you do is go to TakeCareOf.com and enter promo code CREEP50 for 50% off your first Care Of order. So again, hop on over to TakeCareOf.com and enter code CREEP50 for 50% off your first Care Of order. That's T-A-K-E-C-A-R-E-O-F.com, enter code CREEP50, C-R-E-E-P. So like I've said before, first of the year, doing something a little different. New Year, who dis? The same dis that was here last year. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little heavier. <laughs> A little grumpier. Eh, yeah. A little dirtier hair. <laughs> oh, that's definitely you you're talking about. Never mind. <laughs> okay, so I'm actually covering a story that was first seen on the No Sleep Reddit thread like six years ago. So this is like a sinister sightings type story, and I thought a good one to kick the new year off with. Is this like a tulpa? No. <laughs> Are you proud of me for knowing that word? Well, it was last episode, so you should know it. No. Not necessarily. Well, that's true. 
But the title of the story is, I'm Not Going Back to That Cabin. So this all happened right after a really tragic time in the writer's life. He was in his late teens, and you know, it's at that point where you feel like an adult, but you're not really ready for what life's going to throw your way. Still not, even as adults, so it's fun. Right. Well, sadly, life threw him a curveball. His father died by suicide. (gasps) So he received some money and his father's car from the will. So he took this time to kind of push reset on his life, basically. He was able to quit his little job he had and reassess what he wanted in life. You know, a time for him to reflect on future plans like college, careers, all the things. Now, at the same time, the mom and dad had a cabin in Mount Bachelor in Oregon. The mother decided to put it up for sale because the payments were too expensive. Even though they rented out the cabin when they weren't using it, it just wasn't paying for itself anymore. And now with the sudden death of her husband, the mom decided, you know what, it's time to sell the property. So the cabin was set to go on the market the following month. They needed to do some work to make it more sellable, you know, the whole thing. So the writer was like, okay, for a month, no one's going to be renting it out and I can do the work while I'm there, but also, you know, experience the cabin for the last time, all the things, self-reflection, snowboarding, you know. So he packed up his shit and split. You know I had to rhyme. I was going to say, self-reflection, snowboarding, shit, and split. (laughs) Also, I pictured the guy driving his dad's car up to the family cabin in the woods, and that song, I Drive Your Truck, played in my mind. Do you know what song I'm talking about? No, but it sounds really sad. It's a really good song. It's by Lee Bryce. Anyway, but it's a country song, and it's about a younger brother who drives his older brother's truck after he was killed in action, and I I don't know. Like, I think about it when I see my mom's truck that our neighbor has and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. Anyway, so it just put me in, like, a certain frame of mind when I was reading the story. Because he's an older teen who had just lost his dad, now losing his family's cabin, and he's going to say goodbye one last time to all those memories and that chapter in his life. Like, that's a lot to deal with. Yeah, it is. So let me tell you a little bit about the cabin. It's two stories, with the first story being the living room, kitchen, and a bedroom. I'm sure there's a bathroom in there, too. And then upstairs had two more bedrooms, one being the primary room that had a nice-sized balcony on it. They didn't have a lot of neighbors up there, like two cabins, but they were like a block away. It was pretty remote and surrounded by tall pine trees. The first two days were everything he had dreamt they would be. He brought his dog midnight, so they spent the mornings playing out in the snow, and then afternoons were spent on the slopes, and evenings were filled with relaxation, either on the PlayStation or vibing out on the balcony, listening to music, having a drink, and a cigarette or two. And yes, he was a late teen, but we've all been there. But on the third day, it got a little weird. The night before, there was a heavy snowfall. So he was like, I don't want to trek through all of that. I'll just stay in, watch some movies. And it's so funny. The writer was like, DVDs. I'm like, what a time to be alive. (laughs) I mean, you could tell that was old because now everything's streaming. Well, midnight, the dog had to use the bathroom. So they were outside around midday. And there were some tracks in the snow, like footprints. It was still snowing, but the footprints looked kind of fresh, which was strange because he hadn't been outside that day. And he knew the other cabins were empty too, 
or at least he really had thought. So he was like, okay, maybe I'm wrong and someone is in the cabin. They've just been not around when I've been outside or, you know, whatever. He shrugged it off, went back inside, continued chilling. Well, night came, he was getting ready for bed, settled in, and that's when Midnight suddenly perked his ears and was like, the fuck was that? Now, the guy didn't hear anything sus or whatever, but Midnight zoomed off the bed and down to the living room, quick, fast, and in a hurry. Now, the guy stayed in bed, kind of freaked out, but just trying to understand what had got Midnight so worked up. Well, he continued to listen and heard Midnight pacing downstairs. And then about five minutes later, Midnight came back up and was doing like that pee dance. Mm -hmm. So the guy was like, oh shit, sorry. Yeah, let me take you out, bud. They went outside, but Midnight was not looking for a place to hike his leg. He started pulling on the leash to go forward to the trees. So there was this like little clearing around the cabin and then the tree line and then the dense forest after that. Midnight was pulling to go over to a certain spot, and then it hit the guy. This was the same spot that the footprints had been earlier. They had come out of the tree line and then around his cabin. Midnight pulled the guy back towards the house, following some sort of scent, it seemed like. He smelled the side of the cabin and was looking up to the roof with his ears perked. Midnight was just looking into the dark night, which kind of gave the guy an uneasy feeling, because everyone knows and we'll see stuff, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like really dark. His eyes aren't adjusted to the dark yet, you know? And he's just like, what is my dog looking at? But he was like, all right, you're not going to play Detective Doggo out in the cold anymore. I'm fucking freezing. Let's go back to bed. He couldn't really shake that weird feeling he had gotten. So he was just laying in bed thinking about things when all of a sudden he heard something on his roof. He said it was like six steps and honestly sounded like something that had hooves clacking on his roof. And remember, he's upstairs in that primary room. So the roof is like right above him. He's not on the first floor hearing like muffled sounds. And he lets his mind wander a bit and was like, wait, I feel like that had a human like stride to it. It wasn't an animal like prance. But he's like, oh my God, bro, get a grip. It's probably like a pine cone, some animal, whatever. We're in the woods. Like, it's fine. It's nature. Which is why I'm not an outdoorsy person. Yeah, I would be the previous, not the latter. I'd be freaking my freak. But Midnight started looking up to the ceiling too, because he heard the steps. And then Midnight ran to the balcony door like he wanted to be let out. So the guy's like, hey, can't we just pretend nothing happened? It's probably nothing, right? But Midnight is like, alert, alert, you in danger, girl, even though he was a guy. But you have to quote ghost at a time like this. And the guy's like, you know what? I'm not going to just lay here and be scared of the what ifs. So he put back on his shoes, coat, grabbed his cigarettes and a flashlight because priorities. Instead of cigarettes, it would have been my water jug and a Slim Jim. What about Slim Jim? I'm on a kick. Girl, I've been on a kick for a while. I was going to say, it's got to be a kick that you're on. No, I got me Slim Jims and you and Colby ate them all, remember? Yeah, but that was a long time ago. I, that's how long I've been on a kick. Um, my phone. Yeah, yours would be your phone. Probably in some chapstick. Oh, that's good thinking. Okay, so they go out on the balcony. He lights up a cigarette, looks around on the rooftop from the balcony. You know, like down from the balcony, he's looking up with his flashlight. He doesn't see anything. There's no prints in the snow on the roof or anything. So he's like, oh, fuck. Midnight has gotten me all creeped out and I'm just in my head. So, you know, he's rationalizing all of it. 
And he's like, me and Midnight are just feeding off of each other's anxiety. And now I'm a paranoid person canvassing the roof. Kind of laughing to himself, shaking his head, you know, like get a grip. At this point, he wasn't like canvassing with the flashlight anymore. His eyes had just adjusted to the darkness again. And so he's finishing up his cigarette, looking at the stars, you know, taking in the outdoors and having a moment to try to calm himself down. But Midnight wasn't looking at the roof. He was, again, looking at the tree line. So even though the guy felt silly for being worked up, he still took note of where Midnight's attention was. So he was scanning the tree line with his eyes. And you know when you see something, like you're skimming through a book and you're like, wait, did I just see what I think I saw? Mm -hmm. And you have to flip back? That's what happened to him. He was just glancing through the trees and that's when he saw it. He saw in a tree, like only 20 feet away from the balcony where he was, there was a man crouched down between two branches. Hell no. Right? Now, again, this tree was taller than the cabin. And it's a pine tree. So it's not like he just shimmied his way up from like some low branches. Right. So how the fuck is someone up in this tall ass pine tree? And he said that even though the man was squatting like crouched down he looked unusually tall and unusually skinny he said that he could have easily been like eight feet tall and his limbs were so long and how he was holding himself up just wasn't normal he said it wasn't human like he had his long arms extended upward holding onto the branch above him and his face was expressionless but also full of expression His mouth was wide open, like freakishly gaped open, but he was like dead in the eyes. At this point, Midnight started pacing back and forth and started barking. But the man or creature in the tree just stayed there motionless. Like he was unaffected by the dog or by locking eyes with this guy. Like, hey, he sees me seeing him like nothing. And the guy was like, yeah, I'm done here. So he put his cigarette out and hurried back inside. And he said that he never flashed his light over there to get a better look. Because even though that was his first instinct to click on that light and shine it over there, every fiber in his being was yelling at him to not do that. Well, if he doesn't shine his light, there's still the chance that whatever that was may not know that he saw him. True. Very true. Picture this guy, like he put out his cigarette and he's like moonwalking back from the balcony inside. He's like, I'm not turning my back on whatever is out there, which is smart. I mean, hello. So he closed the door, locked it, pulled the curtains closed too. So he's like, okay, now that I'm in here, you know, safe, I'm going to peek back out and see what was there. So he looked back outside, but the thing was no longer there. There were no tracks or anything like the person or creature had jumped down, but he wasn't there anymore, and the guy could not find him. Like, what in the Where's Waldo is happening? That's no game I want to (laughs) play. Well, at this point, the guy is like, what the fuck is happening? Is this all in my head? Because, like, he was there and then he wasn't, but there's no way he shouldn't be there now. So he really had thought he got himself worked up, he's paranoid, and now he's seeing things. We've all been there. But the thing is, Midnight was actively sensing something too. It wasn't just like he was anxious, like he was being alerted to a specific thing. But they were both okay, safe inside the cabin, and there wasn't much more that he could do than just to calm down and go to bed. 
So he was laying there, mulling over everything in his mind again, trying to focus on the like absurdness of it all. Like it couldn't be real. So just shake it off, go to bed. But then he heard something and it was tapping. It was something tapping on the balcony door. And he said it sounded like someone just tapping on the glass with their fingers. No, absolutely not. Right. He thought, okay, it's just a branch or something. No biggie. But then it was a consistent tap, tap, tap. And it's not fucking Happy Gilmore saying tap, <laughs> tap, tap it in when you saw a fucking creature hanging out in your damn pine tree. Right. Well, Midnight was staring at the balcony door, but at this point would not go near it, which was different than before when Midnight wanted to go outside. He stayed in bed right beside the guy and the tapping continued. Tap, 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 silence, tap, 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 just consistently like that for about an hour. And the guy said he had this weird feeling like someone or something was willing him to open the door, like they wanted to be invited in. And whatever or whoever was tapping, the guy felt like, no, I want to open the door for them. It was like he needed to go to the door. But at the same time, he heard his dad's voice telling him, stay in bed, do not move. And his dad had always told him to be more afraid of humans and ghosts. So he was just like, yep, I'm listening to my dad one more time. And I'm just going to lay here, not move, and like just try to sleep. And at some point, he passed out. And when he woke up the next morning, he said that he packed up everything and got the hell out of there. He said goodbye to the family cabin and that he was glad that they were selling it because he was never going back to that cabin. And to this day, he doesn't know what or who was out there. What the fuck? I know. This was just so scary to me because one, it's outdoors. Like anything out in the woods, scary as fuck. But then it kind of had like a Slender Man vibe mm-hmm. meets like unknown mountain person meets black eyed kids vibe. That's what I was going to say. The black eyed kids vibe of like open the door. Yes. Yes, exactly. And like the idea of like being drawn to do something that you know you shouldn't do. I don't need to open the door and see if someone's out there, but I want to open the door like I need to do it. Like that freaks me out. Like just to think about So what's scarier, a weird creature out in the woods or a strange person trying to get inside? Strange person trying to get inside. I agree. Man, this story had me all kind of anxious. I know, but I thought it was a good one. And you know, like people, it's wintertime and you want to be cozy in your cabin. So just be careful because you don't know what's lurking out there in the trees. And take a fucking dog with you. Because remember, even the Grinch had a dog. (laughs) True. I didn't come up with that. That's like a meme. Oh. But yeah, take you a fucking dog because uh, he'd have never known any of that shit was out there. Right. Fucking midnight saved the day. <laughs> it did. See what I did there? <laughs> You're on one today. <laughs> you didn't notice it first until I said it. No. <laughs> we do not deserve dogs. We really don't. But it is scary to think if midnight hadn't been there and he did just see the tracks and he's like, oh, it's one of the neighbors. And then... That happened that night, like where they were tapping. What if he did open the door? Like, I don't know. It's just so creepy because we all try to rationalize things. That's just human nature. And that puts us in danger. But we're trying to like remain calm and not overreact. It's okay that there's a fucking 
owl man perched out <laughs> in my fucking pine tree is fine. Well, because he probably did think maybe it was an owl. Maybe it was this. Like, who knows? Maybe it's Michael Pearson. <laughs> you are all the way. I had cheesecake at dinner. <laughs> well, let's see if your story gives us anxiety like mine did. Well, this one was a recommendation by Laura M. in the Facebook group. Now, you're probably going to know this one. It's been on all the things. Dateline, See No Evil, just to name a couple of episodes that this story's been on. I'm doing the story of Skylar Niece. Skylar Niece was from West Virginia. She was the only child to Dave and Mary, and she, of course, was the apple of their eye, light of their life, all the things that you would expect of this loving family that just doted on Skylar. And, I mean, they even said, like, she was so spoiled. I think it was on See No Evil. Her dad said that because he worked nights, and there was this one day of the week that he had off that her mom had to work, and it was like daddy-daughter day, and that they would do whatever Skylar wanted to do, and that was just kind of their routine. So she was just like a super loved, spoiled in the best possible way of love, you know. She grew up in Star City, which is like this smaller suburb of Morgantown, West Virginia. Her dad, like I said, worked nights at Walmart, and her mom in a medical office. Hey, my dad worked at Walmart overnight sometimes. Mm -hmm. What, for like a year? Mm -hmm. I think he counted down the days. He's like, when can I retire? <laughs> you know, when you don't think about jobs because, you know, like we're selfish creatures who don't think about what other people have to do. Mm -hmm. But I never thought about people who have to stock overnight and like in the frozen section. He had to wear like workman gloves because he would get freezer burn. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, shit, I never even thought about that. Yeah. So there's a couple of chicken plants here. Obviously, I don't know. Anyway, I don't know why I said obviously because not everybody may know, but I'm an occupational therapist that I work in an outpatient setting doing like orthopedic injuries. And we get people who have work related injuries from those chicken plants and the parts that are cold. I mean, it'll be like freezing, like literally, literally freezing in there. And they have like all these gloves and all this gear that you know they have to wear and it's like god you don't even think about that you yeah know? so if you're like here let's whip up this carpal tunnel splint for you they're like well i can't wear it under my glove or whatever you know yeah so at the time of the story skylar is in high school she's a sophomore in high school and her best friends are sheila eddy and rachel Schof. now this was in the early 2000s when cell phones were like the whole new rage and you're taking videos with your phones and pictures and social media with Twitter and all the things. And so you really get to see a lot about Skylar because of that. You get to see little videos of her, especially in all of these episodes. It's, you know, it just like as we get further out, I feel like these stories change so much because, you know, it's one thing when you see like really old home movies or like you see these older pictures, but like when you're seeing the stuff from people's cell phones and all of that, like I feel like you get such a better background of them. Like you get to know them more. Well, and also with body cams for police. Oh my God. Because I feel like the Chris Watts thing, you know, I always go back to him, but it wouldn't have been so, I mean, it was a big deal, but like you got to see all the body cam footage of like him finding out that they're finding out shit about him yeah. and stuff. And so it's just like, whoa, we get to see what these cops 
So yeah, it definitely puts things into a completely different perspective. Also, when you were talking about Twitter and stuff, it just reminded me that when you got your memory on Facebook the other day, when it was like, Carrie was making dinner or something like that. (laughs) Because it used to be like you would say, is blah, 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 blah. Like you wouldn't do. Like it had that already in there, like Carrie is or whatever. I remember that because, I mean, it was like you updated your timeline of what you were doing. Yes. But- God, man, <laughs> I get secondhand embarrassment of myself <laughs> from my Facebook memories so bad. Same. Because we've had it for so long yes. that it's like, wow, you were a dork. I mean, still are. <laughs> but like back then you posted about it. Well, I don't get that bad only because I deleted my Facebook account one time. Oh, true. So I'm really happy that I can't see all of those things because let me tell you, I know mine was 10 times worse. I mean, like, I think I got mine in like 2005. Oh, no, before that. So Skylar, Sheila, and Rachel were called the Three Musketeers. They were the best of friends. If you saw one, you saw the others. Hey, that sounds familiar. And one of them's redheaded like Tiffany sometimes. Oh, Damn. Sometimes she's blue-headed right now. (laughs) She's (laughs) blue-headed. So it's summertime, and Skylar had a job at the local Wendy's. So on July 5th of 2012, she came home from work, and she tells her parents both, because she's super close with them. Like, her dad even says, like, we didn't go through that weird phase where she hated us. Like, we just didn't have that. We were close. She told us she loved us every single day. You know, they had a good relationship. So she came home, told him goodnight, love you, hugs and kisses, and she went to bed. Well, the next morning, her dad, who worked night shift, came home on like a like his lunch break, essentially, because they shared a vehicle. And so he came home to be like, hey, if you need the car today, like you need to take me back to work. Well, when he got to the house and he knocked on her door, she didn't answer. And she like kept not answering, kept not answering. He got a clothes hanger and popped open her door because he was like, oh my God, like, is she okay in there? And when he opened the door, she was nowhere to be found. Her bed hadn't been slept in, nothing. So he was like, shit, like, where is Skylar? So he immediately calls her mom, who's at work, and she's like, don't worry about it. She's probably over at one of the girls' houses. Like, we'll find her. Like, don't, don't worry about it. Well, her dad grabs his cigarettes and goes out to smoke, much like in your story. And as he's outside smoking, he notices that there's like this little bench under Skylar's window, like a, like a little seat, like a, like a, like what did you sit on to put your makeup on? And he looks and her window's open a little bit. And he's like, motherfuck, she snuck out again. And because this wasn't the first time. So in their town, they have a curfew, basically to keep the rigmarole down, Right. So one night, she and her friends get busted after curfew, get in a little bit of trouble. So they know this is not the first time that she snuck out. So her mom's like, she's probably with her friends. Like, don't worry. You know, she has to be at work today at like four. You know, we'll just call when she gets to work and check on her. Well, when it comes time for Skylar to be at work, her parents are about to call Wendy's to be like, Hey, is Skylar there? Let me talk to this little shithead that snuck out last night. And right as they're about to call Wendy's, Wendy's calls them and says, Hey, is Skylar coming to work today? Like, where is she? And they're like, Holy fuck. Now we're worried. Because, yeah, she got in a little trouble, smoked a little pot. 
snuck out some, would go on a joy ride after curfew with her friends. But, like, she was a responsible kid in that, like, she's going to go to work. So that's when her parents called police to say, look, my daughter is missing. We don't know where she is. She snuck out last night, and we haven't seen her since. While the Amber Alert system was already in place when Skylar went missing, they didn't do an Amber Alert for her because she had snuck out. Like, she went willingly. And so, they weren't necessarily classifying her as a runaway, from what I gather. But they weren't listed out an Amber Alert because she left on her own accord. Now, of course, somebody could have coaxed her out of her window, But Skylar's family lived in an apartment complex, so they were able to get the security footage from the apartment complex that showed her, like, sneak out, go to a car in the parking lot, get in, and they left. The problem was that you couldn't tell anything from this footage. It was super grainy. You could just tell that it was a sedan, light in color, but you couldn't really tell anything. So, of course, her family is looking all over for her, flyers, all the things, trying to find her. Her friend Sheila is coming over, helping look for her, trying to figure out what's going on. And, you know, her parents even talked about how, you know, Sheila struggled. Like, she came over one day and was like, can I just go sit in Skylar's room? Like, just wanting to be close to her. You know, her parents were like, wow, she's been there a minute. Like, we really probably should, you know, we gave her space, but let's go check on her because, you know, she's, you know, just not handling it very well. And so they went in there to, like, love on her and just, you know, this was just super hard because they just didn't know where the hell she was. Well, and if she didn't leave with Sheila, who did she leave with? Exactly. I mean, I couldn't imagine if you or Tiffany went missing when we were in high school. Exactly. And, you know, to kind of further the point of that Skylar wasn't a runaway, she left her toothbrush, she left her phone charger, she left all these things in her room that if she was running away, she would have taken with her. Now, I should say that Rachel, the friend, she was gone away to, I think, for like two weeks to like a Catholic church camp. So that's why she wasn't there with all the searching and all, which I feel like if you were Tiffany Whitmissing, I would come back from camp, but whatever. But honestly, I mean, if you were like states away or something, what are you going to do? True, true. And I mean, not everybody could afford to, if you had something in place to bring somebody back, you know, in a couple of weeks, it's not like everybody can just drop everything to get you home. Right. So Skylar's dad, Dave, took it to the news and was like, we need help. Of course, I suck at everything, and I can't remember what state this was. But they had gotten a tip from all the news coverage that, like, a girl matching Skylar's description seen with a redhead in this other location. And they were like, oh, my God. Like, is Rachel really not at camp? And they snuck away together. And, you know, they're at this beach. I can't even remember what state it was. But they're, you know, off at this beach somewhere. So the police went to look to see, and it wasn't them. It was two girls who had run away, though. Whoa. Yeah. So I was like, wow. I mean, they may not have been found had they not looked like Skylar and Rachel. Because there's tons of rumors surrounding this. You know, this is a town of like, I think they said like 1,800 people. This is a very small town where everybody kind of knows everybody. Everybody's talking about what happened to Skylar and trying to just figure this out. Stuff's on social media. Stuff's getting in the new, you know, they're just trying to kind of piece this together. 
So now, a town over, there had been a bank robbery. I don't know how many. Some stuff made it sound like a bank robbery. Some stuff was like, there had been some bank robberies. So I don't know if it was like one or 12. Anyway, bank robberies. There was some rumors going around that Skylar had gotten wrapped up with the guys doing these bank robberies. Because the people that were suspected of it were actually friends with the Three Musketeers. Now, the three girls, they got in trouble. I mean, you know, like they did exactly what we did our sophomore year. They drank, they smoked a little pot, they did this, they did that. You know what I mean? They got, they went to parties with older boys that they shouldn't be with. They did what a lot of people do their sophomore year. Now, these boys were in their 20s and had no business hanging out with sophomore girls. I can't remember who. I think it was maybe Sheila was like, had hooked up with one of these boys. But the rumor was that they were at this party and Skylar had overdosed and they panicked and like buried her. But there was no evidence at all that Skylar had ever been involved in any heavy drugs. You know, it was no secret that she drank and smoked pot sometimes, but she wasn't doing heavy stuff. And I don't think Sheila and Rachel were either. You know, they were a little faster than she was. For sure, Sheila than Rachel. Rachel was still going to Catholic school camp. But, you know, her parents were strict. She didn't get away with as much as Sheila did. But they weren't, like, doing heroin with these people, you know? You know, shit goes down at church camps. (laughs) True. But there was no proof to any of this. But it was one lead that police did have to investigate. So Skylar went missing in the summer. And by the time it rolled around for school to start again in 2012, there was still no leads on what had happened to Skylar. Tons and tons of rumors, but no actual leads as to what happened. Eventually, the FBI got involved. They're interviewing people at the school, just trying to figure out what do people know? What are the rumors? Because sometimes those rumors can be true. And of course, the FBI are really interviewing Rachel and Sheila to see what about their best friend. Like, they had to know her the best. So where was she? Did she leave? Did she have any enemies? Whatever. And it got to the point where Skylar's parents were even like, y'all have got to back off these girls. Like, this is too much. Like, they lost their best friend. Like, you need to back off. But the police were like, look, Rachel and Sheila's stories are exactly the same. They never change. And they're exactly the same as each other. And that doesn't usually happen. You know, if you and I experience the same thing on the same night, when we tell our stories, they're going to have variations because they're different human experiences telling the same story. Well, and I'm right and you're wrong. Oh, okay. But Sheila and Rachel's stories matched up almost to the point where police felt like they were rehearsed. At one point, though, I think it was Sheila, came to Skylar's parents and was like, look, you know, I got to tell you the truth. We snuck out that night because we, you know, at first they didn't know who she snuck out with. Wait, so all three of them? Yes. So she wasn't in the camp right then? She had left for the camp like the next day or the day after. I'm not sure exactly when she left, but it was after she went missing. But I feel like before people knew she was missing. Yeah. They had told police that, yes, they snuck out at about 11 o'clock that night. Told them that, you know, we had gone out driving around, smoking some pot, blah, 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 blah. And that's all fine and dandy, except that's not what that camera showed. That camera showed that she was picked up at 1230, not 11, because they made it sound like she was already back 
at like 12. You know, they picked her up at like 11. She was back at 12. They left and went on about their way and Skylar went home. But that's not what that security footage shows because that security footage shows the first time that Skylar leaves her apartment was 1230. And then the girls say they went one way, but the security footage says that they turned going towards the other town, the town where the robberies had happened. Oh. Where they had usually partied with those boys, because mm-hmm. that's where those boys lived. The other thing is that the police went to this newer gas station to be like, okay, you know what? I bet they have better security footage. Like, this was just built. Like, the, you know it's going to be better cameras. The manager pulls up the cameras, and they basically time it to where, okay, this is the car. This direction they would have to, you know, they left from point A. Well, this is point B. Well, it takes five minutes to get here. And here's that car proven that it went towards that town, not the way that the girls told them. I feel like that was a math question of like, if the train <laughs> yes. station going 50 miles an hour, I'm like, wait, what? What are we having for dinner? Yeah. The yeah. <laughs> question, the actual question is like, what time is it in Cincinnati? Yes. It's like, well, you didn't even ask me anything about that. <laughs> I hated those kind of questions. The thing is, too, is that the car matched up with Sheila's car. It was a lighter color sedan. What does Sheila have? The lighter color sedan. I think it was a Camry. I was picturing a Camry. Like a, like a silvery white Camry. I can't remember which Ooh. one it was. The other problem is that Rachel's phone was pinging off a tower in that town. So they didn't go the way they said they went. So the police pull Rachel back in and they're like, you're lying. Tell me what really happened. Rachel kind of changes her tune. Rachel tells police that, okay, okay, okay. We did pick Skylar up and we did go to Blacksville. She says, but when we got there, Skylar said to let her out of the car because she was going somewhere. And that's what we did. Within the next day, Sheila changes her story to be exactly like Rachel's. The police, their spidey senses is going off pretty big time at this point. Christmas comes and goes, and on December 28th of 2012, Rachel loses it. She can't take it anymore. She starts flipping out on her parents. Apparently, she's like running through the neighborhood, screaming at her parents, like losing it. Her parents call the police, and she's eventually taken for like a psychiatric hold. A few days later, police get a call that Rachel wants to meet them at her attorney's office. This stuck out to me in the Dateline episode. The police said that when they got to meet her at the attorney's office, that like Rachel kept grabbing the trash can like she was about to throw up in it. Like this was like the pivotal moment for her. So at first, police just start talking to her, asking her questions that she can easily answer, right? But then she just stops and she just looks up and says, we stabbed her. What the actual fuck? Rachel basically spills the beans. She says that she and Sheila not only just killed Skylar, they had been planning it for months. What? And then Rachel just leaves like it's fucking nothing and goes to her church camp. Rachel tells police that she and Sheila had decided that they were going to kill her that night because Rachel was leaving for camp in the next day or so. Wow. They decided that they were going to stab her, and they put together basically a kill kit. Rachel steals a shovel from her dad. 
Sheila gets a couple of kitchen knives from her house. They bring cleaning supplies. They bring extra clothes. And they're all set with their kill kit. So they go and pick Skylar up from her house. They ended up driving for about an hour, going to where they normally go to like smoke pot and all of that. Skylar is none the wiser. They get to where this like secluded wooded area. And again, Skylar just thinks they're going to smoke pot, like has no idea what is about to happen. She's walking in front of the two girls when they literally counted one, two, three. And on three began stabbing her. Oh my gosh. Rachel said that Skylar is asking why, why, like those were her last words was why. That's heartbreaking. And that's what police want to know is why the fuck? Why did you kill Skylar? And it's because they didn't like her anymore. Oh my gosh. From there, Rachel said that they were going to bury the body, but the ground was really hard. And so they couldn't like dig her up. So they just dragged her over by this tree and covered her with brush. Then they took their clothes off, washed themselves off, and left Skylar in the woods all by herself. Oh my gosh. Now, Rachel ended up actually taking police to Skylar's body. And honestly, I don't know how long it would have taken them to find her body, if ever, if Rachel had not led them to her body. I think police got a little heat from this because they didn't immediately arrest Rachel because the girls had changed their stories a couple of times. And so, you know, they really had to get some evidence to prove what Rachel said is what actually happened. I don't understand that. I feel like you can arrest her. She literally just confessed and took you to a body, but, you know, law stuff, I don't understand. Right. And it could be because they could only hold her for so long before they charged her, but they didn't have enough to charge her. You know, I'm sure there's rigmarole. We don't understand. Right. Meanwhile, I've said that twice this episode. So they do testing on the body and they did find out for a fact that was Skylar's remains. So from there, they got a warrant to search Sheila's car and they did find Skylar's DNA in Sheila's car. Like in the trunk? Or? Yes. Okay. Yes. In the trunk. Sorry. Yeah, which is why, like, it was like, I think it was blood. Like, it wasn't just something that, oh, well, she rides in her car, so of course her DNA is in there. No, no, no. This was like, my blood is not going to be in the trunk of your car. Right. Well, mine could be because I'm very clumsy. But that would be one of those, I swear to God, she nicked herself on blah, 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 blah. I swear. Now, let me just say, like, how angry this makes me at Sheila. Like, I... I feel like, because Rachel kind of pretends like she got caught up in it and didn't really know they were going to do it, but they did it. I think it was Sheila who actually tweeted, we really did go on three. Wow. That to me is like, lock her up and throw away the key. Right. And now she was the one who would go over. Yes. Okay. And that's what I was going to say. Like the fucking audacity the balls to go and sit in Skylar's room after you've killed her and her parents comfort you. Right. Like Sheila to me is a true sociopath. Right. Like yeah. there's no, or I don't really know if she, you call her a psychopath or a sociopath, but she's one of those paths because there's no way, no how that, I mean, Rachel spilled the beans cause she couldn't even live with herself. Like she's, definitely deserves to be in jail she killed someone but like 
she at least had some empathy, some some compassion to where it literally made her physically ill. Yeah, it affected her. Right. Whereas Sheila was living her best life like nothing ever happened. You know, pretending to be sad, getting comfort from her parents, you know, literally getting comfort from the parents being like, who would do this to her? How could this happen? Like, you did it to her. You stabbed her like over 15 times because you didn't like her anymore. And, you know, there was a lot of stuff on social media where you could tell that they, you know, they got in little fights like, you know, it just was petty mean girl bullshit. Yeah. But... It truly turned to murder. It's almost childlike where they don't understand the simple, like, if something's hurting you, just move away from it. And it's like, just not be friends. Right. Yeah. It probably would have crushed Skylar. And and that's the thing, too, is, of course, I can't remember which one. I think Sheila had lived there for a long time and Rachel moved there. And I may have that backwards, so don't quote me on it. But it's like, they had been friends for, like... Like us. Like, they had Mm -hmm. known each other and been friends. They really got close in high school. Like, literally, just like us. But they had known each other since grade school. Right. I just, I don't, I don't know. When Sheila was arrested, she's, like, bawling, crying, asking her mom, like, is everything going to be okay? And to me, that's literally all an act. Mm -hmm. Like, she's, the if she is truly crying, it's because the, the jig is up. Right. Yeah, like she got caught. It has nothing to do with what she did to Skylar and to Skylar's family. So Rachel took a plea. And at first, Sheila was going to go to trial. But eventually, she decided to take a plea as well. So Sheila was sentenced to life in prison and is eligible for parole in 2028. Wow. They did try them as adults, though. That should be said. Because they were like, it was the summer after their sophomore year. So they were like 16 when it happened. Yeah. Well, old enough to be driving. Right. Exactly. So Rachel was sentenced to 30 years in prison because she's the one that like confessed and took the deal first and all the things. And she is going to be eligible for parole in 2023. (gasps) Holy shit. Yes. Of course, Skylar's parents are just literally distraught and, you know. Well, and then they lost, like, two daughters, too. Because they did. They said, especially Sheila, like, she really was, like, a second daughter to them, you know. And they were together all the time. And I can't remember what it was on, but they asked her parents, like, is there something you wish you would have done differently? And her mom was like, I wish I would have known the girls better. So maybe I could have seen something or, you know, there had to have been a sign. But she's like, but really, could you have known them any better? And it's like, no. She thought she knew her daughter's friends mm-hmm. as well as any parent can know their daughters. You're never right. going to know them the way your daughter does. but And they're only going to show you what they want you to see. Yeah. But Sheila was a manipulative fuck. She's not going to show you anything. I mean, fuck, she sat in Skylar's bedroom and cried on your shoulder. Like, she's only going to show you what she wants you to uh-huh. see. Like. There's no way they could have seen anything, predicted anything that this would have happened. But one good thing that did come out of it was that they changed the law in West Virginia. And then eventually a form of this happened nationally that an Amber Alert is not contingent upon how they went missing. You know, like how she left of her own accord by sneaking out. Well, that should still be an Amber Alert. And so that actually did change. Well, that is really good, though, because, yeah, yeah, things can happen even if I choose I'm going to leave and hang out 
But then, yeah, like something can happen outside of that. Well, just think of like, okay, so let's say you were meeting somebody online and they catfished you or they didn't catfish you and they still hurt you. And it's like, yeah, you left willingly, but then shit went south, you know? Yeah. So it changed that to where that would still be an Amber Alert. Also, Amber Alert is very hard to say. I messed <laughs> up a quite a few times. Like sometimes I just said Amber Alert. <laughs> It doesn't even have to be something nefarious. Like you snuck out and then y'all got in a wreck. And, True. you know, like y'all are off in a ravine somewhere. I swear to God, I was about to say you sprained your ankle in a ravine. <laughs> Why? <laughs> of course, I sprained my ankle. But either way, we both ended up in a ravine. <laughs> right. But yeah. So, I mean, like it makes sense why the Amber Alert changed. Yeah, Absolutely. I don't know. I just, my heart, I mean, like, not that, like, having a spare kid makes it any better, but, like, it just broke my heart that, you know, she was their only child. They just were so devoted to her, and she was just the center of their world. Yeah. Again, not that having, like, two kids makes it any easier. You know, you still lost a child. Right. Have you ever thought about, like, this is so off topic, but, like, when you think about... Back in the olden days, when people lost a child, it was just like, keep on farming, like, keep yeah. on going, like, okay, you lost a child, big deal, keep going. And now yeah. we're, you know, I don't know. I just feel like we just expected so much more of people to not address their mental health issues yeah. of, like, the trauma of losing a child. It's like, okay, we'll keep going. Right. Because everybody lost kids back then, but it's yeah. like, no, they lost a child. Right. That's so freaking sad. That do, that case does seem familiar. I asked Donna. I asked, of course, I didn't tell her what it was. I was like, "Have I done Skylar niece?" Because even the on the episodes and stuff that I watched, like one of the police officers, I recognized her. I like, I, like I literally recognized her <laughs> from this small town, West Virginia. I'm like, "Have I done this case before?" I searched the episode guide that Karen made like three times. If you want to look at that, it's on Facebook, where you can literally just search what every single episode was. I searched in my podcast player. I was like, man, I feel like I've covered this. But if I have, sorry, I couldn't find it to save my life. No, I don't think you have. But it's just sad that that seems familiar to me enough that like that happens a lot. And this case really has been covered on a ton of podcasts. And like I said, I think it was on Snapped. It was on See No Evil. It was on Dateline. It was on something else, too, I think. But like all the podcasters have covered it. So that's probably part of it too. There's no telling how many times I've fallen asleep to that damn dateline. God, that's just so heartbreaking. That people will like see that there's no way out, but I'm going to kill them. It would be horrible for Skylar to have to go through losing her best friends. Right. Like that would be really hard right in the middle of high school, have to find a new friend group, find who you fit in with, find new best friends when literally everyone in the school talks about like how close y'all were and if you saw one, you saw the other, blah, 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 blah. But that's a whole hell of a lot better than dying. Yeah. She would make it through that. It would be right. hard, but she's got a great family. Like, just fucking stop being friends. Right. There was so much that I just didn't even really touch on about, like, the posts that they had made that, I mean, Skylar included, like, posted stuff like, when you do shit like this, this is why I don't trust you kind of thing. And, like, yeah. you know, they had a very mean girly friendship. And some people say that, and I don't think I believe this at all, but some people say that Rachel and Sheila were, like, in a relationship and that Skylar found out and was gonna, like, tell. I, I just, I don't buy that. I see Sheila having a relationship like that out of 
a manipulation tactic. Mm -hmm. Like, I can see her, like, using that in prison. You know what I mean? Like, as I say, gay for the stay, you know, like, (laughs) can we say that? But she probably, you know what I mean? As a manipulation tactic of being like, oh, well, I'm with this person to gain status or whatever. Well, and it could have been something like that where she manipulated Rachel. Absolutely. Into that, like, oh, okay, I see that she might like me or look up to me or, you know, whatever. And use that to mm-hmm. get what she Skylar, yeah to yeah. get Skylar out of the picture even their up-to-date prison shots annoyed me I don't know my mama would always say like three friends is hard because someone's gonna always feel left out yeah and I think that me you and Tiffany have definitely made it work over the years but there's always been moments, moments where yeah somebody's feeling more left out you know than another right but it's never something that we're like Let's murder them. Like, or, what the fuck? It's never something of, let's not be friends with them anymore. Right. Much less, let's murder them. Come on. But Rachel definitely tried to play it off like, I didn't know what I was getting into. Like, I didn't think we were serious. You didn't think you were serious when she handed you the knife? And you counted down? Yeah. And you kept stabbing? I don't like, know. That's the thing. If you were like, okay, okay, you know, and like, you're going to do it, you're going to do it. If y'all stabbed her one time and you were like, oh, shit, this is real, that's when you call it off. Well, and I do understand, like, almost like a little bit of the mom mentality, but not even that. But because I know there's a real psychiatric word for what I'm trying to say. But, you know, I do understand, like, getting wrapped up in it and, you know, that you kind of don't realize what you're doing in the moment and all of that. But this is something y'all planned for a long time. Like, this wasn't on a whim. Like, you strategically picked this day because one was about to leave for camp. Yeah. Like, we got to do it because then you're going to go to camp and then school starts. Oh, my God. That's just heartbreaking. Real life mean girls is what they are. Yeah. Well, y'all tell us what the hell in the man, creature, child thing Donna was talking about. <laughs> y'all tell us what y'all think that is. And do y'all think that, are y'all with me? Is Sheila one of the paths, you know, socio or psycho? I can't remember which, which one. But, like, do y'all think that, like, Sheila was the ringleader? Like, I think yeah, she Yeah, I think she was. They really did, though, leave a trail on social media of what had all transpired in their relationships. And, you know, police were really able to kind of comb through that and figure some things out. And so, I just feel like it's one, probably not the first, but one of the first cases where it's like, okay, the kids were dumb enough to not realize that their cell phones were going to ping on mm-hmm. towers because it's 2012. And then all these things that they had posted on social media, if that had gone to trial and they had said that she posted, we really did go on three after Rachel had in her confession said, we counted one, two, three. Yeah. Done. That would seal the deal for me. Like, I don't need to hear anything else. She's guilty. Right. Well, and I think that would change a lot of people having like empathy of like, oh, well, they're young. They're this. And then it's like, oh, no. They're heartless. Yeah, they were laughing at everybody not knowing that they did it and posting it in black and white for you to read and you to not get because you're not inside the joke. Because they're that cool, didn't you know? They're so cool that they don't want to be friends with Skylar anymore. Oh my gosh. Well, thank y'all so much for listening and supporting us. You know, I say it every time. Don't forget to like, subscribe, review, all the things, and remember. Creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.